Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later on Rejecting the Screen. Here we go. Rejecting the Screen. The Going ISO edition as we do every week with all sorts of folks who touch the NBA. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West, Adam Stenko. Our guest today is Mike Lynch, the Editorial Director, Product Manager, Managing Stat Head at Sports Reference. We all live on Basketball Reference, so you might as well find out how the sausage is made. Mike, who comes up with the nicknames? You know, uh, I sometimes take a little bit of heat um, from like various corners of the internet about um, how ridiculous like some of them might be and that uh, they're not actually used. Um, none of them are actually um, like anything that we make up. They all come from legitimate places. They could come anywhere. Um, like some of the ones that people uh, might doubt more um, tend to be um, maybe from an old encyclopedia, from an old newspaper. Um, but, you know, it, they're all legitimately sourced. Um, sometimes they're nicknames that a player, like mentioned, uh, that he was called growing up in an interview. Um, they're one of those things that uh, seems like almost like taking on a, a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people seem to like get a good laugh out of it. We do play along with it to an extent, uh, but we're not like making things up. Um, we're like we're throwing things out there that have never been used. Uh, but we do enjoy adding um, a peculiar uh, hidden gem of a nickname sometimes. Wait, wait, just like hiding a peculiar gem, like one that you just happen to find somewhere and then, and then, or one that you make up. Oh, no, no, no. We, oh, okay. like, never make them up. Yeah. Okay, got um, it. Okay. Because yeah, I, came, I came upon Rondo's page the other day, and he had, well, playoff Rondo, yep. And you hear a lot of the guys just call him Doe, but that's not on there. But Johnny, Swag, and the Yoga Instructor. <laughs> <laughs> the Yoga Instructor, um, I can actually remember where that one came from. Uh, Dennis Scott on NBA TV started using it for – a while. Um, oh, really? I don't know why exactly, uh, but it it uh, felt like it fit in, you know. And that, you know, um, like Dennis Scott's, uh, you know, one of the greatest shooters that I've ever seen. If he's going to call Rondo the yoga instructor uh, on a national TV program, that's uh, like good enough for me. Mike, before before we get into the rest of basketball reference and and all that stuff at full disclosure we're all philly guys um i'm from westchester noah's from abington uh you went to methacton and then lasalle i'm i'm curious you and i played ball together a ton at at espn had had some great runs together uh but before we get into to the career and all that stuff your love of basketball at an early age i i know you you have such an affinity for the game what are some of your favorite, like, cool memories about Philly area hoops and guys that you saw when you were coming up? Like, one of the coolest things about Philly hoops, um, you know, that, that, that I, had, like, saw quite a lot growing up, uh, the Donna Frio tournament um, in Conshohocken was just mm-hmm. an unbelievable place to see, like, really, really good players, uh, like, in a gym with, like, four rows of seats where if you're in the front row, your foot is on the floor. Like, you know, this is a place that I played like CYO games in and um, I'm seeing Kobe Bryant in there. Um, Alvin Williams, Al Harrington, Samuel Dallenbear, Shaheen Holloway. Um, it, it, it just goes on and on and on. Um, all, all of the great players in there, like you might be sitting next to John Chaney, you know, all the big five coaches are in there, not Raleigh Massimino, but, uh, the real ones. Um, and <laughs> the, the level of competition was just unbelievable. Um, so that, that sort of like stood out as a, like 
I, I don't think that you're going to see that scene in too many uh, uh, other places with just like diehard fans uh, mixing it. You know, there's ACC coaches in there uh, at some nights um, and just un- unbelievable talent out on the floor in this tiny little gym. Um, so that was, that was definitely something that got me like super into uh, amateur hoops um, the earliest basketball that I was exposed to um, was going to LaSalle games um, at the Palestra in the late 80s. And, I mean, you're talking about the best player in the country on those teams, Lionel mm-hmm. Simmons, um, Tim Legler, Doug Overton. Then you had Randy Woods coming along. Um, and they were just um, unbelievably fun to watch. The first place that I ever saw a game was probably the Palestra and uh, like, you know, you're like sort of spoiled. Um, you don't realize like, oh, the first place that I went to see a game is like almost without question, the best place in the world to see a game when it's actually, you know, it, it's right. hard to see uh, like those great college games there these days um, just because the big games aren't played there anymore. Um, but, you know, if you go to a Catholic Lake playoff game there now it feels just the same it's like un- unbelievable environment and just a special gym um and so that's sort of how i it, it, i love the nba uh but that that's not necessarily how i like fall in love with the game for the michelob ultra player of the week i want to talk about a guy who's been bringing me a lot of happiness and enjoyment in fantasy and it's a guy i picked up off the waiver wire Malik Monk with Devontae Graham out, and I had Wayne Ellington, also Sadiq Bay. so I dropped Wayne Ellington, picked up Malik Monk, spent 20%, or I should say 10%, I spent $20 on Malik Monk, 10% of my allocated 200 for waiver transactions, and look what he's done over the past five games, 19 points, 21 points, 25 points, 29 points, 20 points. And he's shooting over 50% from the floor, and he's giving you three plus threes per game. That's more than the amount of carbs in a single Michelob Ultra. And somehow, somehow, he's still not picked up in even close to 50% of leagues. So his success brings me great joy. I don't know if my joy is bringing his success, but his success is bringing me great joy. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? Well, in fantasy, I'm happy because I'm winning. A lot of hoops to bet on. College hoops also, NHL as well. Can even get in on the baseball division odds. My buddies and I were texting about the plus 200 odds for the Mets to miss the playoffs. Got a lot of friends from Philly. I throw down on that. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Real-time updated odds, props, and almost everything you can imagine. And it's free to sign up. So head to the website, or you can use the app. Sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D, on LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We're covering things in the hoops world from a pretty unique angle, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there with Locked On Today, hosted by the great Peter Burkowski, who's been kind enough to have both of us on Locked On Today. It's all the sports news you need every morning under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. I remember going to the Donofrio Classic, and Adam and I have talked about this before. I remember going one year to see Eddie Griffin play, and he was playing with Dewan Wagner. And that court is just, as you described it, that court is just so small. And it, yeah. I mean, it's not, there's no way it's a regulation court. And, and Dewan Wagner, like at halftime, is, he was a sophomore and he was signing autographs at halftime. He would just take a step over midcourt and, and pull up. Remember John Allen being there and that gym waiting outside oh, to get in was, there was nothing like it. I think I was there that night. Um <laughs> Was that I? I definitely remember I saw Dewan Wagner play there after his sophomore year, and he went twelve for thirty-six. Um, and John Allen being unstoppable, Eddie Griffin like might have not missed a shot. Um, I'm sure that they played there several times, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that 
that gym, uh, if if you remember Marcus Green, um, sure, that guy, he could steal the ball like no one you ever saw um, on a regulation size floor. In there, he must have gotten like ten steals every single time that I saw him in there uh, because there's a, you know, the court seemed a few feet short uh, and a few feet not quite wide enough, um, and and those uh, quick hands just got a little bit better. On, on a tangent, real quick, I actually talked to Marcus Green the other day when oh, I was wow. talking to Al. I was I was talking to Alvin Williams, the guys that you've just actually brought up, and we're on we're on FaceTime and he was with Marcus Green and and I was telling Marcus Green that yeah I remember watching him rip apart Matt Carroll when they were mm-hmm. I think when they were seniors and then Marcus well, Matt, went on the Matt same Matt Carroll was one year ahead of Marcus ahead yeah. of him okay so he, he ripped him apart and Marcus like lit up knew every detail from that game saying Matt Carroll didn't want any part of it and then Marcus Green, his his picture comes up on Twitter every now and then, and I just saw it the other day from an account about like these were considered shorts, and it's Marcus Green at Saint Bonaventure yeah. with his shorts down to his feet. <laughs> yeah, uh, truly iconic picture. All right, you went to you went to Boston University. You end up at at ESPN, and that's when we connected. Basketball reference job. I know reading the New York Times article about it a few years ago that that sports reference was in a church. How did you get the job and what was your interview process like? We're still in a church, um, but um, I was working um, for Comcast uh, Sportsnet, I I guess, which is now NBC uh, Sports um, down in the D.C. area. and sports reference, um, I was living on all those sites, um, like constantly, like both as a fan, um, and to do my job, um, you know, for several years before this, um, and they just, I happened to post, um, that, that they were looking for someone, I guess back in, uh, 2014 or so, and they were located in, uh, Philly, um, uh, where I, I uh, hoping, uh, to make it back to the interview process man, I can't, I honestly can't even remember it. Yes. That we talked a lot about, um, sports history. Um, if I recall correctly, there was like some sort of quiz component to it. Um, just about like knowing, uh, certain things about the uh, history of sports, um, and how things are recorded and stuff like that. What were they looking but, for yeah, I, at the time? The main role um, that I started in is that um, the sports reference sites get an unbelievable amount of correspondence uh, questions. Um, where can I find this? Why is this wrong? Um, how how do I do this? Um, it, you know, there's there's probably anywhere from like 50 to 100 every day. Um, and they just needed someone to uh, answer all that stuff. Um, and so they needed someone that was well-versed in all the sports, uh, and could help people use the sites basically. Did you hear from athletes themselves? We do sometimes, um, hear directly from athletes. Um, an anecdote when I first started, um, was that my boss, uh, was explaining how, how to do the job, um, and like apparently several years before Cal Ripken had uh, emailed the site and like said that he really liked it um, or something like that. Um, and my boss like never found out about it for like whatever reasons. He's like, if Cal Ripken ever sent you an email, uh, just be sure to let me know. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we, uh, we, we do sometimes get uh, like feedback from athletes, coaches, GMs, um, who like the site, who use the site. Um, speaking of like relatives, there must have been at least like two or three times um, that somebody wrote in uh, mentioning that the person that they're dating uh, said that he played in the NFL um, and they were wondering why we didn't have a page for him. That's so great. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it, it's like one of those things. Um, I didn't like out and out tell them um, he was never on an NFL roster, but um, you know, it, 
if someone played in an NFL game, they would be on our site. There is a chance that somebody, um, you know, was on a practice squad in the 60s um, and, like, dressed for a game but never got into the game, like that sort of deal. Um, Pretty sure not the guy she's dating, though. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, likely not these dudes. Um, (laughs) We hear a lot from former college players because, you know, it's – some of these guys, um, if you Google their names, were the first result, you know, um, like someone who was um, a like second string college football player in the 70s or something uh, was not a pro. Um, and so they tend to like find our stuff and maybe um, were missing um, their class year in 1974 is when say, hey, I was a sophomore. Uh, I was a safety that year or like something like that. At the time, was that a dream job? Pretty much a dream job. I mean, when I was like talking about the job with other people um, who like, you know, like maybe didn't know what sports reference was, uh, it's just, you know, or it like seemed crazy to leave, you know, a giant steady corporation like a Comcast um, to go to a small company in Philly, that's got a handful of employees. You know, I think there was at the time like four people there. Um, my conviction uh, that they just had this incredible, useful product um, that like brought a lot of people joy, myself included. Um, and it's just, you know, a, a mission that I really believed in um, to preserve and enhance uh, information um, that you and like help provide this resource. The sports reference uh, like sites and like basketball reference in particular are, are like just one of those things that like it made my professional life so much better and so much easier. And then in my non-professional life, just like browsing around, like, you know, you can go down um, these gigantic uh, like rabbit holes um, mm-hmm. and just spend hours going from page to page like, oh man, I forgot that this guy played with that guy on that team. And uh, it, it's, 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 it's like something that I love from long before I started working there even. Yeah. So I, listen, I mean, you're hyping it up. The reason we you're dying to talk to you, not just because you're interesting, but because what you guys put out <laughs> is so incredible. And we, but the truth is Mike, though, we use it all the time and that, you know, conversations Noah and I are having about, you know, anytime I'm doing any interview with any NBA player, I'm checking out, stuff about his college career about his nba career like you said who he played for who the coaching staff were and i come across games that i had forgotten about certain instances that happened um but i'm I'm still curious about what the operation looks like now so you said you're hired on four people are there how many people are there now and and give us a sense of what it's like to run this world-renowned website in the back essentially of a church Man, I, I'm going to have to think about how many people we're up to now because um, we have been hiring quite a few people lately. I think we are up to around 15 now, maybe, um, including um, probably, you know, at, at least a third of those starting um, within the last year or so, I believe. Um, what I have been like focused on um, for the last couple of years is creating um, – the stat head tools. When I say create, uh, that's probably the wrong word. I, I'm like not actually um, the technically proficient person um, that can build these things. I'm more of like coming up with concepts um, of what tasks um, a given tool should be able to perform, what tools uh, we need to look to add um, so that the site can do things um, that users want to do. I do lots of like user uh, interviews like gather survey information um and each um each of our sports sites has um one developer who's you know like in charge of like building it every day basically um and like making sure that they can uh, ingest the latest box score data uh which you know once you have in that then it's got to update all of the the like stats um, for the players season for the career, um, you know, the, like team records come from out of that. Um, 
so all right, so how does it work? So a game ends. So say as we're recording this, pick any game. So say Celtics Hawks game ends. Then in what amount of time is the or are the statistics updated for everybody who played in that game and the teams? So as of now, we do um, more or less just like one build per day, um, which I, w- I think usually kicks off, um, you know, probably around three Eastern time uh, in the morning or, or like so, um, where you pretty much know um, that all the games are complete um, unless something crazy happens, which um, – Mm-hmm. baseball is probably the most likely culprit there um, with like some of the marathon games that they can have out West. Um, and then, you know, um, I think it can take anywhere from like one to two hours um, for the site to build. Um, we've actually been speeding that up quite a bit lately. Um, so I, I think that the average might be closer to one hour now. Um, so it's not, um, there's not like an update, you know, like immediately after each game ends. It's mm-hmm. it's like more like at a time of day when we know that all the action for that day is done, then we can just rebuild all things at once. Um, but one thing that we actually are considering doing um, at like some point in the future um, is adding like live scoreboards um, so that, you know, if you visit the site um, at 10 o'clock at night, um, one night um you might see like um the east coast games there might be like final boxes that are printed um and you know uh, in progress from the west coast um just you know so so that you don't need to like go somewhere else um if you want to know what's happening at that moment um and and so that we can be like uh of greater use um for knowing what's already happened uh what's happening right now and then what might happen next how does it get chosen which players' faces or headshots are featured on the homepage? Uh, that is actually, um, well, I'm told it's random. Um, there like, could be someone, uh, you know, that's uh, just like pulling that behind the scenes. But it, I believe that it's random um, and there is some sort of, um, you know what? Basketball reference may not have any sort of minimum threshold because there are some pretty random yes. uh, players that show up on that site um, compared to, say, baseball reference. Um, I, I think baseball reference um, and maybe pro football reference and hockey reference may have some sort of like minimum um, number of games played or like war um, or, or like some other metric, um, like player value metric. Um, I'd like pride myself on like following basketball a little bit too closely sometimes. And there's days where I might not recognize four of the faces on there or something. I'm like, who are these guys? Um, (laughs) But, but we do hear from people um, that they, they, they will play a game with like friends, basically like who can guess the, you know, uh, I I think there's like 12 guys um, on the homepage at a time who can guess the most um, and they'll keep track of standings and stuff. Um, Cause we uh, like, if, 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 if we ever had a bug where the homepage like didn't update the pictures for like one or two days, um, we would get those uh, emails like, oh, Hey, we're awesome. going to update the homepage. You know, we're trying to play this game. Uh, we need some fresh pictures. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Amazing. It sounds like a, that would sound like a great, college drinking game like you get you go or you like you go around in the circle and you get five seconds to come up with the guy if not you drink and then the next guy's got to get it in in less time that's awesome i love that you hear from people about that it's yeah it's um it's 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 like been one of those things that we heard it often enough um that i've thought from like time to time like maybe we do need to try to turn this into a game somehow uh but we've never quite figured out what exactly that would look like or uh, how we should implement it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it like does seem like it's fun. Um, and a lot of people like do seem to like it. You got car trouble. Rockauto.com is a family business, been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. 
You can go there, rockauto.com. You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. I'm telling you, they have everything. Sometimes you could just go to the site and just mess around to see there's no way they have this. There's no way they have that. Well, trust me, they have it. A few easy clicks delivered directly to your door with that unique and really easy to navigate catalog. And best of all, the prices are always reliably low. The same for professionals, do-it-yourselfers, and us, the try-it-yourselfers. So go to rockauto.com right now. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D space on, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. We've talked to you about those guys. But if you want to go a little bit more in depth, then you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Mike, what's the breakdown in terms of information in general that you guys can automatically import into the site and how much do you actually have to go in and manually do like you said looking at old books or even with recent stuff that that pops up most of the recent so like things that happen in games um we are pretty much able to get completely automated like we have a feed um that you know um say the games that are happening right now at some point late tonight, uh, early tomorrow morning, we'll get a feed um, that imports the box score from that game that includes like shot location coordinates, play by play. Um, You know, it's got player IDs that we're able to like sync up with our site um, so that all that stuff um, is associated with the right player, the right game, the right team. It's, um, the sort of stuff that we um, sort of manually track um, are transactions, um, salary data, awards, um, player position, nicknames, and things like that are obviously manual. Certain biographical data that we keep track of, like player high schools, player colleges, uh, how we note on a like players page, like maybe what their recruiting ranking was or if they were a McDonald's All-American. All right. One that fascinates me, and and it's interesting because it sort of plays into discussions you get into, arguments, all that kind of thing, is position. So yes. I'm curious, is, is it how you guys determine positions and whether it's one person who's involved in that or, or multiple people get to weigh in? For the most part, um, I um, look after most of the positions. If someone lobbies a complaint about one of them, um, it will generally be me who is going to correspond with them. Uh, I think that they are worth uh, maintaining, but you know, simultaneously, right? Like uh, positions in basketball are not what they used to be. Um, and so, what exactly do we mean when we list a position? My default is to sort of um, list the player's position as as like best as we can and maybe lean towards um, their offensive role. Um, like, for instance, one thing that comes up is uh, LeBron James. Is he a point guard? Um, which I think for the last two seasons, uh, we have listed him as a point guard, um, which is pretty plainly the role that he plays for the most part offensively um probably more so last year than this year right um but i mean even when him and schroeder are both on the floor it's generally lebron that like initiates most of the offense um you know schroeder's been more of a secondary creator when he's out there with lebron um and not that schroeder has ever been this like pure point guard right i mean he's like always kind of been this uh hybrid type I would say that LeBron at point guard has been the one that gets um, the most pushback in the last couple of years. Um, You know, like Jason Kidd moved 
Giannis to point guard in like February one season or something. And so then you're almost trying to tease out like, okay, um, what percentage of his minutes did he play um, at point guard that year relative to the time that he spent at either small forward or power forward earlier in that year? Uh, but going way back, there was like the year that Jeff McGinnis got hurt for the Cavs um, and LeBron started playing point guard for a while that year. Um, and you're trying to figure out, all right, what, what, like what was sort of the, the breakdown there? Um, and I can't remember offhand where we landed on that one. Another great example um, would be Bam Adebayo last year. Um, clearly was a center in the playoffs last year, right? Uh, but spent um, the slight majority of his minutes in the regular season um, as more of a power forward um, while like Myers Leonard got a lot of time at like center. Um, and that that was you know, but it's like on offense, like Myers Leonard is just sort of standing around the perimeter shooting threes for the most part. Bam mixes it up a bit more, uh, but they did the world sort of a favor on that one by playing a lot of two three zone, um, which um, had Myers in, in in like the middle of it, uh, and Bam on a wing. It's like all right, he's the power forward then. Um, LeBron's listed for his career. He's got four positions point guard, shooting guard, his rookie year, small forward, power forward. Has there anyone ever been listed at all five positions for their career? That's a good question. Uh, there's none that I'm aware of. I don't know if Giannis ever had a season where he was listed as a shooting guard. Maybe not. Um, you got him listed as four. four positions. You got guys. him listed okay, as four. Yeah. Yeah. Center is the only one you don't have Giannis listed as. Yeah, I think LeBron and Giannis might be two of the only ones that have four positions. One of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast is, you know, trying to compare errors and how it's kind of futile and, and the idea that it almost doesn't make sense in so many instances because of how much the game has changed. I know that you're an old school guy and I appreciate that, but it's interesting because you're an old school guy who has such a great understanding of modern day statistics so recently, I know you've gotten into it with people over like shooting numbers and people talking about how great the shooting is now and the level of play being better. Give me some type of information context that I can take back to people and said, look, Mike Lynch says, this is why you can't say the game is just particularly better based on some stats that you're seeing now. So, I mean, um, there's a reason that the stats all look great right now, right? I mean, we were alive um, when the malice at the palace happened and we know, um, you know, that the NBA had, to, and I mean, it, it goes back before that. I, I uh, should say, I mean, I, I, I think that the point that the NBA realized that something had to change was um, those like same two teams, um, the Pistons and the Pacers in the 2004 Eastern conference, um, with Eastern Conference Finals, um, if I recall correctly. And, I, you know, I think, like, the deciding game was something like 69 to 65, um, which is, like, hard to believe now. But, you know, th this doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But, I mean, how you could compare anyone from that era to this era, um, it's, like, impossible. Um, and it's not like guys couldn't play back then. Uh, guys were really, really good players, great players. Um, some of them, um, you know, due to the physicality of the game at, at the time, a lot of those guys were bulking up like crazy um, and were not uh, like we're, we're not necessarily as focused um, on shooting, um, particularly from three as guys are now. The NBA made very real uh, emphasis changes um, after that, like 2004 season, um, you know, to change uh freedom of movement um they wanted the league to look a lot different than it did at the time um they didn't want the low scoring affairs um and they've been very intentional about it um and and this is why we are where we are 17 years later um it, it, it it's it's not that players miraculously all of a sudden um got better um in ways that they weren't before I think you can attribute it 
100% to, um, you know, the, the league honestly not wanting the defense to really have much of a chance. Um, it, and the, the change in efficiency from 0304 into 0405 was drastic and dramatic, um, and it has only increased since. And I mean, Steve Nash, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy who is, you know, a very nice player, um, sort of like um, lower end, sort of all star, um, you know, was like teaming with, with like Dirk on, on a team that could have nice regular seasons, but wasn't really um, scaring anyone too much in, in the, the playoffs these rule changes and all of a sudden he wins two MVPs in a row. Um, it's not like Steve Nash um, got that much better overnight in his, you know, he graduated from Santa Clara in 96. So mm -hmm. we're talking about eight, you know, we're talking about a guy in his late twenties, uh, maybe his early thirties. Um, by that point, it's not like he miraculously got that much better. The league just became a place um, that was more friendly to his particular skill set. Um, whereas the guy that um, he replaced in Phoenix, if I recall correctly, uh, Marbury, we're talking about the period from like 1994 to 2004 when the game was so, so physical. There was such a premium on anyone that could actually break a defense down off the dribble. Um, and Marbury was a ball handling whiz um, who was unbelievably strong and quick and was legitimately one of the only guys in the league for a while there who could like break down a defense and get into the lane on command. All of a sudden the floodgates open. Anyone can get into the lane uh, in like 04 and he's in China a few years later uh, mm -hmm. because his skill set was no longer special. Um, you're talking about a guy who was no longer worth the headache uh, because a lot of guys could all of a sudden do what he did. Um, and that's, you know, I, I've always had to laugh um, over the last 10 years or so, or, you know, even the last 10 to 15, when people always talk about, man, we're in such a golden age for point guards. Like we've never, the league's never been blessed with so many great point guards before. And it's like, well, no, they, they legislated the game so that point guards would be unstoppable. And this is why a center hasn't been an MVP in like 20 years. Um, and like all, all of a sudden point guards are in this mix. Um, you know, it's, it's not like guys like Mark Price and Kevin Johnson uh, and Tim Hardaway before the knee injury. You know, these guys were unbelievable basketball players um, mm -hmm. and, and would be causing havoc now um, if like they were able to play their primes um, in a like period like this. So I, I don't like it uh, when some of the older generations get a little bit of short shrift. Um, what I will say about the current era that I find amazing um, is um, sort of, I think that a lot of this stems from um, the fact that there are so many great shooters from distance all over the floor um, and that the defense is sort of unable to slow the offense down these guys have to be in unbelievable shape these days. I mean, the ball just whips around so quick. The way that these guys have to have to keep their bodies these days, like it seems to me that there is so much more um, sprinting and change of direction regularly now compared to eras past um, where um, every, everything was a little bit more um, deliberate and set. Um, even if there was a lot of fast breaking, it wasn't like, you know, get down the floor and then be ready to sprint out and close on a three point shooter. Um, and then he may whip the ball back across the floor and then someone's got to make a close there. It's, um, the, 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 the like level of stress, um, on bodies these days, even if you're only playing like 30 minutes a night, um, it's pretty intense. Well, just so you know, during that answer, the the player set just switched on the homepage of Basketball Reference. But Victor oh, Oladipo, really? Victor Oladipo, still remains from when it was where it was about ten minutes ago, and now and now Aaron McKee is on the front. Philly guy Simon Grass. Did you have something to do with that? <laughs> I, I I did not have anything to do with that. No. Um... The computer's got a mind of its own. 
<laughs> Manny Harris was on the previous one, thinking of just random NBA Michigan. players, All right? Michigan, Michigan guy, and uh, and on this one there aren't any, there aren't really any random NBA players. All guys that most NBA fans would know. I have said this before, and I told Noah this just before we actually started this podcast. You put out my favorite tweet in the history of of Twitter, um, and it's still <laughs> pinned. It's still pinned to your to your page. It's from back. We're almost five years now removed from this tweet. Tweet says something about the triple double machine signing with their non-shooting hands. And you show a box with four pictures, Larry Bird, a righty signing with his left LeBron James, a righty signing with his left Russell Westbrook, a righty signing with his left and Ben Simmons, a lefty signing with his right where did this come from, like, in your mind? And do you know that you created the gre- greatest tweet in the history of Twitter? I actually was aware that that is the greatest tweet of all time. No. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> first of all, thank you. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I uh, I was really fascinated by that. I think, I'm trying to think. Um, I feel like, um, so you said that tweet's about five years old? Yep. 2016, July 3rd, okay. 2016. Okay, so it was, pro- I, it was probably um, after the Sixers drafted Ben Simmons. Um, I'm reading about Ben all the time, looking at video of him. And, you know, the, the thing that is constantly coming up is, like, number one, how he won't, um, won't shoot the ball um, with his left hand when he's near the basket. Always finishes with his right hand when he's near the basket. And then the fact that um, his jumpers, when he does take them, he shoots with his left hand. You know, he's considered a left-handed player, but is very hesitant to shoot with his left hand. Um, and so I sort of got it in my mind, um, you know, is this guy actually right-handed? Um, and, it, you know, I'm a proud lefty. Um, and so for years, mm-hmm. I've been aware of the fact that LeBron and Larry are both actually left-handed, um, probably the reason that they are so brilliant um, is, is, is that they've got the correct dominant hand. Um, and I, you know, th- this was around the time that Russ um, was really turning into this triple double monster as well. And I learned that he was actually left-handed as well. I was like, man, this is like crazy that those three, um, you know, th- these like unbelievably uh, productive players in like various aspects of the game are all like left-handed players who for whatever reason shoot with the right hand and I'm thinking this about like Ben Simmons too and I'm like and here's you know yet another guy who just like fills up a box score I'm sure he's going to be a triple double machine in the pros um and around uh, around this time I remember that my wife uh was making like collage pictures of our you know she would like download these apps or like whatever to make a collage of like pictures. I'm like, you know, I, was it of your dog? Was that where you were you're going with that? Oh, uh, not like, uh, of our daughter. Uh, I was oh. going to say like daughters, <laughs> but I guess if it was 2016, we, we had one at the time. So I like sort of stopped talking there. Um, but, um, you know, the great, you stopped talking just I'm in thinking, time for Adam oh. to insult you. Yes, yeah, seriously. Yeah, exactly. The great father that I am, I'm like, oh, I got to make one of these collages. I can put LeBron, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, Larry Bird, and Ben Simmons in. Um, you know, I, you know, like did a, a, a image search, you know, to try to find pictures of all of them, like signing something with 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 their offhand, you know, as a proof of concept. Um, and I, you know, like found the pictures. Uh, made the collage, made the tweet. And yeah, I, I, I haven't been able to uh, uh, unpin it because I, I like really do like it a lot. Um, it, it's one of those things that just kind of blows my mind. Um, I think that some people have responded to it over the years with like other players who were similar. Um, I'm trying to remember who, the, I think Bill Walton might've been the same way, maybe Danny Ainge. Um, mm-hmm. There's at least a few others. Uh, but, but like those four are all of this certain prototype of, you know, just uh, stat sheet stuffers. Right, we're going to close with 
some Philly quick hits. You've got one hour to listen to the radio. Which Philly radio host do you want hosting that show? My favorite uh, Philly sports talk show uh, from my life was um, probably when Mike Missanelli and Steve uh, Steve Fredericks used to do mm-hmm. a- uh, afternoon from like I don't know, what, what was it two to six maybe uh, yeah. leading into uh, Eskin back in the day they 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 had a great chemistry a great show the field of sixty fours were unbelievable um, you know it's uh, been a long time obviously i mean i i think that that pairing probably broke up uh 25 years ago now but that that was sort of uh the golden era uh the sports talk here for me how about if you had one philly sporting event to watch which all-time philly announcer would you want to be calling it radio or tv oh man i hate to do Harry Callis like this because I love like I I can't imagine anyone being better than Harry Callis but there's something that's still magical about hearing Merrill Reese's voice um, when when he's called you know I think it's because he's the one that has basically like always been there for me now at at like this point that I just mm-hmm. get this certain nostalgia and buzz um, from hearing Merrill's voice that um, you know I. It, that like Randall Cunningham might still like take the field and like make an incredible play or something. Um, So hard to beat, like hard to beat Merrill for me. Uh, Merrill's son actually uh, went to BU um, and worked on a film project with one of my roommates um, and could do a killer impression of his dad um, that I believe I had set up as my voicemail at one point. Like I, I I think I asked him, you know, can you please say uh, Bobby or, uh, hoying to Irving Fryer, <laughs> my son. <laughs> he really nailed it, um, and I I apologize to him for that, but I couldn't resist. You're pulling you're pulling up to the park in Philly to win a game with your all time Philly five. Who you bring with you? Well, you got to go Wilt, right? Mm-hmm. Wilt's your center. Um, you don't have to go by position either. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, we know how positions yeah. scare you a bit, so we don't we don't want to <laughs> freak you out at all. Well, you know, if we're not worried about positions, we could put Tom Gola out there because there's a guy um, who could legitimately play one through five, uh, jump center, uh, and then bring the ball up the court for you. Um, and am I running with these guys? Do I need four? Or no, do I need five? no, no. You need am five. I, you're not. You're not. You're not seeing the court okay. here. I'm not okay. <laughs> Lynch can play though. Um, I'm going to tell you that right now. Lynch can play, <laughs> not with these guys, but Lynch can play. Probably got to go Sheed. Um, I mean, since this is my list, um, and this isn't to say that he wouldn't belong uh, otherwise, but Lionel Simmons. Um, there's another guy that can just fill a- uh, any role that, that, that you need. Um, uh-huh. Still need a point guard. Uh, oh, you know. Kyle Lowry might might have just caught uh, Guy Rogers um, here in the last year or so for the Philly point guard. Um, I think I'll go Kyle Lowry. See, I, I would have gone Red Smith as my point guard. I'm a, you know, <laughs> man, what he did with those Gratz teams was was crazy. Lynch, um, actually, I have one more question for you before we let you go that I just thought about. And Lionel Simmons, you you mentioned him, brings it up for me. I know in the early '90s, and this is anecdotal but i but i used to track this stuff i remember with certain guys because they had played four years in college and then immediately would have a role on the team if teams drafted a guy in the first round they wanted productivity right away and oftentimes then nba teams after a few years started to discover them and what i'm getting at is i remember it with lionel simmons guys like willie anderson that they'd come into the nba and have really good stats their first couple of years, and then you'd slowly see them decline. Uh, and I remember that being a big trait. Obviously, it's gone the other way in modern times because you get kids that are 19 years old come into the league, and teams are just waiting on them to produce, and it's just slow over time, and then they start to explode in year three and four. So I guess my question is, 
with something like that, if I'm just using, I don't know whether it's StatHead or anything, is there something with that kind of information that I could go and look for for players that have numbers that declined, like from the start of their careers? You know, that's an interesting uh, question. Um, and let, let me just, I'm, I'm going to stand up for Lionel Simmons real quick. He had like degenerative knee problems uh, that like caused his downfall. Uh, otherwise, he would probably still be winning MVPs right now. Uh, yeah, for probably, sure. Listen, I love Lionel Simmons. This is not a, he, this wasn't a, a knock on Lionel he'd, he'd Simmons. Have a few or good Willie years Anderson. Left. Sorry. For that they, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so one, uh, one tool that is, um, and it's not something um, that is going to be out tomorrow or like next month, um, but is on, on on our list as a like function that we would like to add is like sort of a um, year over year comparison, um, so that you can um, sort of like if you're running a search for a given season, I want to see who had the biggest increase in this stat from one season to the next um, or who dropped off from one season to the next by, by, by the most. Um, we, we would sort of have to think about how that would look um, for like, you know, finding guys who um, consistently dropped like year over year for a certain amount of years. Um, but um, if there's more people who are uh, into this, uh, who are listening, um, please check out the Sydney Wicks basketball reference page. Um, it's pretty amazing. Um, if, if you look at the career arc uh, that he had, where I want to say he got worse literally every single year of like a decade long career. Or so um, he, he's a, a great example of that. All right. Adam lied. It wasn't our last one. Staying on, staying on that note. Is there anything that you can reveal? Is there anything that's coming down the pipe? anything new so yeah our uh the latest thing that we just added um is like something called the basketball span finder so like best way to explain it like say if you want to find um every player in nba history who averaged like 30 points a game over a span of like five seasons you could find it there um if zion williamson averages 30 points on 75% shooting over an eight-game span, um, you can find out, did someone else ever do that? Um, you can, you know, when LeBron reaches or, or reached uh, like 35,000 points last week, you know, you, you can see uh, how many games he did it in compared to Kareem and Malone, mm -hmm. how old they were, so who was the youngest to get there. Um, you can do that with all sorts of kind of different numbers. Um, one of the, you know, like talking about like, um, today's players versus players of old, um, one of the things in that span finder, um, allows you to search over any number of days. Right. And so I found a span that Wilt had, um, where he played five games in five days, never the same city two days in a row. Like I think two of the games were in Philly, but they were like one in five or or like uh, something like that um so you know he's literally traveling every single night um never sleeping in the same bed uh two <laughs> nights in a row five days five games and he had something he averaged over 50 points a game um over 25 rebounds like during this stretch had, you know with a great field goal percentage and I think the team won either four or five of the games. Um, and so it's like, it, it, we're like talking about a guy um, who had, you know, none of the, um, you know, like amenities that the modern players have, um, it, like, like didn't have a whole team of trainers uh, that were focused on his health and his nutrition um, mm -hmm. and was able to do this um, to sort of grow the game, grow the league. I would love to see the NBA um, support through their like pension and their like medical care. Like I think there's like 118 living ABA players um, who also, you know, that it was sort of this barnstorming league, no frills. Um, and it, it grew the game so that it could be where it is now. Like um, 
it, I don't think the NBA ever becomes the exciting creature that it is, um, the unbelievably popular game without the ABA sort of um, bringing the more joyful version of the game to the masses. Um, Cause that's, that's what's great about basketball. Um, it's this like personal expression and, and this joy um, that I think that the ABA um, like sort of brought to the mainstream um, or at least to the professional ranks of basketball. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't know how I landed there uh, based on where we started. Mike, somehow I, I, I still don't know how we didn't come across each other in college, both being from Philadelphia, going to Boston University, the same exact years and both working in sports. But uh, this this was a pleasure. And once you once you get off, I'm going to get the uh, going to get the scouting report on on your basketball game from Adam. But first, we'll ask you the yeah. we'll ask you our rejecting the screen question as we do with all of our guests. You need one bucket end of the game. Who are you going to give the ball to to reject the screen, go ISO, and get your team the bucket? Can't say Jordan. That's the game that was on the back of the bus in the 80s and 90s. You just you just can't say Jordan. And the wrinkle with you will be it has to be a Philly guy to go ISO and get the bucket. Does a, does a 76er count as a Philly guy? Sure. No, for, uh, oh, oh, okay. I mean that right. he, he gave mean, away his answer. He doesn't even have to answer it then at that point. It's it's oh it's not Allen Iverson. I mean I I love Allen Iverson, but um you know for that I'm shocked you went Andrew Dana Tony, Barrows. Right? That's I thought you were going to say Dana Andrew Barrows. Tony. For sure. <laughs> Andrew Tony. Uh, and, and Andrew Tony. World be free is another one. He had that high release. That, you know mm-hmm. you need a guy uh, that's going to get a shot off quickly. Uh, that's not to say that uh, Iverson couldn't get a shot off, but um, it, it, and, and Andrew Tony had a little bit more of a pure stroke, I guess. No, before let me say this before we before we let Mike go, it's only fair that I give the twenty second scouting report on Mike Lynch before he leaves. So as he mentioned, lefty, uh, tough as nails, he guards. So that you need to know that first of all, very uh, intense. So he's going to give you intensity. He's going to guard. You know about the work ethic. He's going to run the floor. You and the other thing about, about him is, ethic. you know about the work ethic. The other thing about him is he's going to, it, he, you can play him at basically four positions. I mean, certainly an undersized four and you don't love him at the point, but you can pretty much play him one through four and you're going to be good. He's going to hit an outside shot. Occasionally he's going to just contribute to your team for all positions, one through four. So that's my scouting report on Mike Lynch. Hell of a guy to play with. Adam uh, uh, could seriously, seriously run the point. Adam un- unfortunately caught me after uh, the main strength of my game had expired. I, Adam, I swear I was a knockdown uh, three-point shooter for years and years. And it, um, Noah, you might appreciate this. My jump shot left me uh, when BU closed the shed after our sophomore year. And I had uh. to shoot for a while. Started hitting the gym instead. And, after, you know, I, my jump shot was just gone for the rest of my life. I, I I like get it back random days here and there, but I like miss it like a good friend. We all do. We all do. Mike, we really appreciate <laughs> this. Is a lot of fun. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. So I don't really understand how I can't come up with the time and memory that Mike and I have been in the same room because I'm I'm sure we have playing basketball as kids in Philadelphia. I'm sure we have mutual friends. Went to BU at the same time. Worked at the radio station too. I was in the communication school. He was in the arts and sciences school. I've seen. I see his picture on LinkedIn. Does not look familiar at all. My videos. I used to host videos, and they used to show up on all the sports reference sites. <laughs> so I know he knows my face. <laughs> it used to be annoying. They used to go to the sports reference sites, and I'd be interviewing all sorts of folks and it would just they used to have a video player there i guess the money wasn't worth how annoying it was that <laughs> they had auto run videos on the on the sports reference sites and those came down uh, but he does make me want to go look at sydney wicks basketball reference page absolutely it's a great rabbit hole i, w- I will say this um 
I've said many times, I'll, I'll take on any challenger for the game of you start listing off NBA players and I'll tell you where they went to college and probably give you a little fact about, about where they went to college because those two things intersect. Mike would be one of the few guys that, that I'd be concerned with who could, who could take me in, in that game. His, his knowledge um, and his depth of, of basketball history information is just it's, – it's insane, the stuff that he knows about. So should we have done that? Should we have taken a, a segment of that and just mm-hmm. given him a bunch of players and put him on the spot like that? Or is that not fair? No, he would he'd love that. He's an old school ESPN researcher. That's those are the games we used to play all the time. He, all right, so let's let's do that, that then for like on on a Tuesday episode. Like let's throw Mike Lynch in the in the second segment and okay. put him on the spot and ask him questions. Okay, I love. I that. like that. I love that. Okay, that was a lot of fun. All right, Frank Isol unable to join us today. Check us out everything else on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked on fantasy basketball, Josh Lloyd, also a guest of Rejected in the Screen. Hear his story from pharmacist to fantasy basketball expert in Melbourne, Australia. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, also a guest on Rejecting the Screen. Chad Ford, the NBA draft guru. He's got his tears out, really likes this draft. Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan, plus your team every day, all 30 teams every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're on Instagram sometimes at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam's on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.